Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. This next storyteller, I actually do know the story he's going to tell. It's just cheating. It's just because I literally know every fucking single story that he has in his pocket. I work with him every day. I've worked with him every day for the last 18 years. I live in the same building as him. I see him just all the time. You know, like back when I was like, let's have a community garden plot together. It was with him, you know, like all, like everything. You've definitely, if you've been to narrators, you've heard me tell stories about him because he's the coworker that I tell stories about. Yeah, he's the one who, like, one time tried to hide the fact that he farted by yelling over the fart. He was just like, ah! But, like, we still heard it, you know? Like, that's, like, the weirdest way to cover the sound of a fart ever. So, anyways... Please welcome to the stage, Brian Colonna. Thank you, Aaron. <clears throat> ah! <laughs> I get nervous when I talk in front of people. Um, I, uh, that sucked, Aaron. That was sucky of you. Uh, I will say in her defense, it is entirely true. Um, I, uh, I, there's been some talk of mothers uh, this evening, which I think is, of course, appropriate. And I uh, called my mom uh, before this evening, as I always do before I perform on stage. I call my mom. And I was like, Mom, uh, again, uh, and you've heard these things before, I'm going to tell a story that involves you. And she was like, oh, you're going to tell the cheese story again? And I was like, no, I'm not telling a cheese story. Um, but we had an interesting little connection that is, I think, important to say when, um, before I, I tell my main story, which was that the cheese story, I can sum up very quickly. I always thought as a kid, there were a couple of times when in elementary school, she left the wrapper on my cheese slice in my sandwich. <laughs> and I had, I had all of the things going on that we do in elementary school when eating food in, with, our, with our peers. It's sometimes difficult. I had braces. And so I would bite into the sandwich. The cheese plastic would get caught on my brace. And then the whole cheese would flap down onto me, you know. And then, like, Amy Bjornshu would be, like, sick. And I was like, ugh. So I always thought, I feel weird about the people right here. Hi. I, I always thought that um, that was intentional. And in my mind, I was like, oh, she was mad at me. She left the wrapper on my cheese. <laughs> Diabolical. <laughs> so I mentioned that to her. I'm telling another story about you tonight, Mom. And she's like, you're telling a cheese story? And I was like, no, I've told that one. And uh, Aaron's heard it before. And some of the narrator folks may have heard it before. And so, um, but then she said, you know, I, t I told her how I told it, and she's like, I didn't leave the wrapper on the cheese on purpose. And I was like, well, you know, it's difficult storytelling. We misremember certain things. And she's like, why don't you tell everybody that I was working two jobs, and one of them was at night, and I had to make your stupid lunch for your stupid school really early after a night shift, and sometimes I forgot. I was a working mom. So... 
I want to set the record straight before I say some more mean things about her. Um, so, as all of you can probably tell now that you've had a time to look at me, I was born premature. Um, um, you all know what that means, and the details aren't important, but three pounds, and, um, you know, somehow that's my mom's fault as well, I would say, but... Uh, I'm so glad she's not here. Um, anyway, uh, because of this, I think I was a little bit behind the growth curve. And, you know, the growth charts at doctor's offices are bullshit. They're always like percentile this, something that. And, you know, it was, I was never quite right on, uh, for the doctor's chart. And I'm still not quite right for the doctor's chart, but in a slightly different way now. But um, my mom was then always concerned, I think, uh, that I wasn't going to be the right size uh, to lead a successful life in some way. And I'm not sure what that meant, but she used to stand on my feet and pull up my arms and say, grow, grow. And she just like sort of stretched me. And like, we, I, think that, I think that we both knew it was a joke, but also sometimes I'd catch her eye, you know, as a child and you kind of look, and sometimes it's like, I think also she's serious. And she was a nurse. That was the night job that she, so she wasn't a good nurse if she was trying to, <laughs> trying to stretch me like that. But, um, you know, she would also talk to me sometimes. Uh, I recall, you know, a couple times she'd be like, you know, are you, is anyone bullying you? And, you know, none, none of that at school, none of that was going on. My size really didn't uh, bother me at all. Like, I, for me, it wasn't a thing. And then as I got a little older, 10 or 11, you move into that area where you're like, you know, playing some sports and that sort of thing. And so I think it reactivated her fears. Like I would be behind in, in a sportsy kind of way. Um, so uh, in order to address this, uh, she decided that she'd make an appointment for me at uh, the children's hospital actually here in Denver. And I'd get some tests done to find out, uh, you know, just in fact what the growth situation was. And so there are Several things that they do. One of them is that they uh, x-ray your hand and they look at uh, for space between the growth plates in your hand. They basically, and this I think was at the age of 11, they can kind of estimate, you know, how much growing you have left to do because often our, our physical age doesn't match the age number on the calendar, you, which is pretty deep if you think about it, you know? Uh, I never thought so until I just said it on a microphone, you know, it's like, um, so, uh, so that's one of the ways. And then the other way that, you know, and I wasn't prepared for any of this beforehand. The other way, uh, one of the other ways is, uh, that they check the size of your testicles. It's true. Um, but this is hard when you're like, so I'm in the doctor's office with, uh, my mom and kind of feeling like, yeah, this whole thing is kind of stupid and the x-ray was fine and all that. And then, um, uh, there's a nurse and she comes in and she's like, you know, the next portion of this, uh, is, is this measurement. And there was like some kind of weird chatter where she was like to my mom, would you like to be in the room for this? And I didn't quite know what they were talking. My mom decided that she shouldn't be in the room for it. And then, you know, the nurse was like, uh, alone then with me and it, you know she was like I'm, I'm gonna feel your testicles to determine I guess what what size they were and as an 11 year old <laughs> as an 11 year old boy um I was also on that verge of being like oh gosh you know 
a few years younger and I might not have minded this procedure, but now I'm starting to feel like uh, maybe you shouldn't touch my testicles, uh, which is a feeling that has um, stayed with me in my adult life. But anyway, uh, she was a, a good nurse uh, and she, she, she did her job and it wasn't too awkward and all of that was fine. And then what happened was, and this is the part that really... Uh, when the story gets told at cocktail parties, the whole thing kind of hinges on this. Um, then she comes, you know, my mom comes back in, the nurse comes in, and we all kind of sit together, and we're, you know, nodding, and nothing's happening. And, and then the doctor, finally the doctor who's, you know, collected all the data, is going to come in and, you know, let us know the, the verdict. And he comes in sort of like you know, kind of hip guy, you know, kind of longer hair than a normal doctor would have. And he had a, he had a yellow beaded necklace on. And he was kind of like, you know, he kind of sauntered in, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, it was cool. And then he uh, takes his necklace off his head. And I was like, that's weird. Why is he taking his necklace off? And he sits down next to my mom. And the necklace has uh, numbers on all the beads. And he puts the necklace in my mom's hand with one of the beads. And he's like, so your son is a number nine. So in my hand, my mom is holding a wooden representation of my testicle, a number nine. And he was wearing it on his neck. Like a necklace. And I now I'm thinking that, like, I, I know Children's Hospital does a lot of good work, but the bedside manner with that particular doctor whose name I don't remember was a little off. Because if they ever asked me to come back and speak, I would be like, don't wear the testicle necklace. And then nonchalantly take it off and put it in my mother's hand. Causing all of us to realize, like, she's holding a testicle necklace, it's my testicle size, and the doctor's also suggesting that my testicle could be bigger. <laughs> there was room for growth. <laughs> so, that's, that's basically the whole story. I mean, it got a little worse in that... They ask you to stay overnight because they, they draw blood many times throughout the night. Nothing was as horrifying as what happened to me in the room with my mother. And to her credit, she was cool about it, you know. There wasn't like a drive home where she was like, number nine? <laughs> really, son, I'm not gonna tell your father. She'd be going for a 10. Uh, but they, they asked me to stay overnight, they, t they test the blood, and, um, and they, they do a blood draw at night while you're sleeping, and they see how your, your hormones are working and all of that. I went through all of that, and in the morning, I was brushing my teeth, and I was maybe a little faint from the blood draw, and I was watching the water go down the sink, and then I fell, and I hit my head on the sink, and then I had to stay longer, because they were like, oh, he's cracked his head on the sink, and my mom's like, you're never going to grow, and now you've hurt your brain, and it's all my fault, and I was like, no, it's okay, mom, and so in the end, we go back in the room with, uh, you know, the Cavalier doctor, and they make a, a recommendation that, in fact, you know, he thinks that, you know, I will probably, with no help, grow to around 5'9", which I'll tell you now was wrong. So his, <laughs> his prediction was incorrect. But that, 
you know, it was his recommendation that, you know, a growth, a growth hormone could be taken, uh, but that, you know, it was basically up to us. And again, I really think this had more to do with my mom's fears than mine. But to her credit, you know, in the room, she was like, do you want to take a growth hormone? And at the time, the choice was to inject yourself like with a needle. Um, I don't remember exactly what the protocol was going to be, but uh, probably a couple times a week. And um, I, I just said, no, I don't want to do it. And that was enough for her. She's like, great. We got back in the car. I mean, I think she felt bad because I'd brained myself and like <laughs> she'd held a wooden testicle in her hand. So like <laughs> we were all ready to go home. But, um, but to her credit, she let me make that decision even though it was like one of her fears. And so... You know, as as much um, as, as I give my mom trouble for some of those things, I think in that moment she like, you know, let me make the decision. And so, in the end, um, th this is what I chose. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not enhanced or genetically modified in any way. This is just what I look like. Um, and yeah, and so that's, that's pretty much it. I, I checked with her on the phone just to like make sure I wasn't missing anything. And I was like, so w would I have been, uh, if I'd taken the hormones, how, how tall could I have been? Or would I just have hit the five, nine prediction? And, um, that she doesn't remember. So who knows? Uh, <laughs> point is I should have ended on the, this is me. Cause you like clapped and that was it. So <laughs> thank you. Brian Colon, everyone. The Narrators was created by Andrew Orvidal and is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sidney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Robert Rutherford, Scott Carney, and Jesse Witten. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumpboard Theater Company, Illegal Pete's from the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we'd also like to thank Nathan Hall, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. If you're in Denver, join us for one of our live monthly shows, which take place every third Wednesday of the month at Bunport Theater in Denver, Colorado. For more information about today's storyteller or the narrators, check out the show notes for this episode or visit thenarrators.org. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>